Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. We're continuing our series called Rehab this morning. And uh, what we are really kind of stepping into is this idea of our need for spiritual rehab. There is um, the truth of life that we all have messes. We all have hurts. We all have wounds. We all have issues that we're dealing with. Now, uh, we can come to church with the idea of, God, I need you to fix me today, kind of like we go to an ER and to say, can you, can you just fix this problem today? Want to walk out, be okay tomorrow. Just, just give me a pill, and uh, it'll mask the pain that's happening, and then I'll go through life and, and be okay until it gets too bad and I need another pill. Uh, we we kind of sometimes operate that same way with the way in which we operate with church. We, we do that with our, our, our health, and we also do it with our spiritual life. And so what rehab does... And what we're thinking about in the, the mindset today is how do I actually get healthy? How do I go from the traumatic event of spiritual, emotional, mental, physical tra- trauma that I've been through, and how do I get healthy? If you've ever had a surgery on something, had uh, a, a problem, you had to go to rehab. And those mean vindictive people called physical therapists attacked you. My mother-in-law is one, so there's that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they just hurt you over and over and over again and make you do things that are uncomfortable, and they, they, they make you sore, and then they just tell you, oh, put some ice on it, and you'll be okay. Right? Except the, the, the issue there is when you're working through that and you're, you're pressing through those new things, you're restoring movement, you're restoring the, the health back to whatever joint that is, is you're getting better. In my case, I had my rotator cuff operated on when I was 18 years old. And I had torn it swimming, and I, because I'm dumb and I thought swimming as a 17-year-old was the most important thing in my life, I swam the, the rest of the season on a torn rotator cuff, and, uh, and then I finally said, oh, I probably should get this fixed. And so I had my rotator cuff fixed, and uh, then I had to start the rehab process of that whole thing. If they would have just cut me and fixed it and said, okay, you're good, I never would have gotten the strength back into my arm. Right? After when I turned about 19, after about a year of rehab and working on that, I could throw a baseball harder, and it, my whole, that whole shoulder was, was good. Now, I still have this... this I have the, the remnants of trauma in my brain, okay? I have the remnants of what it felt like to be going back in, in backstroke and pushing down and feeling my shoulder go, <laughs> like, I, I, I remember that. And so, and there's a little tingle that happens right before your shoulder does that, by the way. So just, if you feel that tingle, stop whatever you're doing. Uh, but I, I felt the tingle, and I, 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 if I'm still, maybe I'm swimming with my kids, or I throw a baseball um, out to the outfield in Bowen's baseball practice. And I feel it, and I feel that little, I go, you know what? We're going to chill. Just calm it down. Calm it down a little bit. Um, because there's that, that, that trauma, that remnant of the trauma there, there's, oh, I'm going to do something a little different. Now, because of, the phys- because of the physical therapy, because of the rehab, I've got strength back. But I also have limits of, hey, you know what? I'm not going to 
I'm not going to do the stupid things because a baseball bat hitting out to center field works just as well as my arm. Maybe that's because I'm older now and a little, maybe a little smarter. But we think got to think those things through. We go through the rehab to come up with a strength plan, to be able to restore our lives in some way. Now, for us, we're pretty familiar with the rehab centers of how I can walk again and what happens when I break my ankle and, and all those things. What happens... When we change our view, maybe even our viewpoint of church, which goes from not only, because it will always be, but not only an ER that someone having a heart attack, I need to get my heart attack fixed here so I don't die. Fantastic role for a church. But what happens when it also operates as a rehab center? That we can move on from the pain and from the trauma of our lives And that's what we want to focus in on today, what that looks like for us. Spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength, being rooted in love, and developing deep relationships. That's all found in Ephesians chapter 3. Also, we're going to be working from uh, Acts chapter 1 today. So if you want to put your finger there, go right ahead. But Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. The promise from that is God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. This is very key to understanding how we get past, how we move through, how we return to health or have greater health than we ever dreamed possible, especially in the spiritual sense. Because often we're very comfortable with the idea of God being the Father, Creator, that role of the Trinity. And we are pretty comfortable, I don't know if that's the right word, but we understand the role of Jesus, that He is the one that that died on the cross and, and came back to life to save us, to wash away the sins. And then we get to the third person of the Trinity, one God, three persons, okay, three facets of understanding, um... We get to the Holy Spirit, and we're like, eh, that's kind of like the spirit thing. I kind of feel like a ghost. What's going on? Like, boo, what, what's happening here? Um, and we're just kind of, just leave that one there. The problem is we're robbing ourselves of an understanding of a third of who God is revealing himself as. And so today we're going to dive in uh, a little bit into the role of the Holy Spirit, what that means for us, and specifically, what does that mean for us as we deal with the trauma and the hurts of our pasts? And what does that do for us to set us up for a better future? Because I don't want to continue to come to uh, church and always just be stuck in the ER mode. Like, God, I need your help right now. Fix me, please, because I just had a heart attack because all of this. How do I get better? How do I focus in on the, um, I want health in my spiritual life. I want health in my emotional life. I want health in that. Because God has called us not just to be someone who has to run to the emergency room all the time, but someone who has life and life to the full. God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. So what is rehab? Rehab basically is a place in which to regain regain strength. It is a, a, a place... Uh, <laughs> I remember hours upon hours of being on this little hand bike. 
doing this. I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. I'm in there with like 80-year-olds, and I'm 18. I'm like, this is dumb. And I'm like trying to beat the guy next to me. <laughs> Jared, you're 70 years younger than him. So <laughs> it's, it's okay, buddy. Uh, and it's just, I, but a rehab is a place in which you regrain, regain, I can't say that, regain strength. So you regain health. And oftentimes, if you do it well, maybe for the first time, this is the, the way you've worked out for the first time in your whole life, you can be stronger after the trauma than you were before. Because now you're actually doing things the proper way, with the proper posture. Don't do that anymore. How many of us, if you've ever gone to one of these places and you've had back problems, they're like, hey, don't pick things up like this. Like, your back hurts. Mm, yeah, you're under. Lift with your legs. You, you, you learn new procedures that gives you better health and more effectiveness. The Holy Spirit does the same thing for us in our spiritual life. One of the, well, the name of the Holy Spirit in, the, in Greek in the Old Testament is a Sophia in, in the New Testament. So if you have anybody named uh, so, uh, Sophie, Sophia in your life, it's actually the name of the Holy Spirit. It's wisdom. And that is what... Um, People have used throughout the, uh, throughout the years to kind of describe this Holy Spirit idea. Even before uh, the acts of the Holy Spirit coming and the flames coming on people's heads and just dramatic different, even in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit was active and, and working, it was this Sophia, this wisdom. It's also very interesting to me that you have God the Father being always referred to as a father, so a male. You have Jesus, who's represented as a man, and then, but then you have the Holy Spirit now, ladies, don't take this and don't use it against your husbands that the, the feminine part is wisdom, right? Uh, that, that, but that, that Sophia in, informed in the, the, in the feminine. That's very interesting to me. Because uh, often we refer to the Holy Spirit as it. We won't refer to God the Father as it. We're his Father, he. We'll give him the pronoun. Uh, and Jesus, well, of course he's a he's, but then we'll, we're, not, we're kind of confused about the Holy Spirit, so we'll say it. But it's the feminine. You could even use she there if you'd like to. And it's really not that big of a, a, a deal, but I just think in the way in which we make up God, God is above and beyond the gender. He's not constrained by that. But the way in which we relate, the way in which we can relate to either a, a softer, gentler, comforter, empowerer of the Holy Spirit to God the Creator, um, that we have to have that to have more of a well-rounded idea of who God is, that he's not constrained. See, I even use the pronoun he, but <laughs> God is not constrained but in one way of which we view. So many of us, um, I have friends that are so tortured by the view of God because of how abusive their father was. And so they can never connect with God as father or even God as Holy Spirit or God as, as Jesus as someone who'd want to save them because the abuse rained down the, on them because of their father. And so if you only identify with God as father, now you're going to have a spiritual trauma that you've got to get over. Does this make sense? And so even hearing the idea that the Holy Spirit was referred to as Sophia in a feminine, you go, oh, I could maybe even be released from some of that. And so I'm not trying to make some weird theological statement of God is a girl and in this. That's not what it's about. It's that we don't have to be constrained by these viewpoints that we see of God as he's only God the Father, and I have to deal with that baggage. For, for some of us who have great fathers, when we view as God the Father, that, that empowers us and goes, oh, wow, I understand that. I understand crawling up in his lap. I understand those things. But some of, for some of us, those are deep, deep wounds that we can never, we need a different identifying point with God. I hope that's helpful in some way. <laughs> Acts 1, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> I 
Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. As we study these few scriptures, we get to see how even the disciples are dealing with trauma and how they're going to react to it. And Jesus particularly is speaking into a spiritual, mental, emotional trauma that is so difficult. This is, he's speaking into the worst of the worst and saying, this is how I want you to react to the spiritual trauma you have received. If you were a disciple at this time, put yourself in that place. This is Acts chapter 1. So Jesus is, has come back from the dead, and he's doing his, like, his beam me up Scotty thing. He all of a sudden arrives in a room. He's like, hey, how you doing, guys? Put your fingers in my hands. It's Cool party trick. And then he would go do something else and, and go around. And he's, he's teaching and doing these things for the few um, the couple weeks that he, he comes back um, from the dead. But these same guys that are, are watching this kind of weird thing happen of, of God coming in and out, in and out, they watched him die on a cross. Can you imagine the spiritual and emotional uh, trauma that that would happen? You watched your mentor your friend, be systematically destroyed in the most efficient and terrible, horrendous way that man has ever devised. Just destroyed. And in the back of your brain, because that's your mentor, that's your rabbi, you're thinking, am I next? So when the door is knocked on, dun, 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 is that the pizza I ordered or the flaffle? Um, <laughs> is that, is that the, the food that I wanted? Is that my friend? Or is that a Roman soldier coming to arrest me? Can you imagine the tension? You know, they didn't have Rolaids back then. I don't know what, they've been chewing on a pile of chalk or whatever you have to do. I don't know. But the, the life of anxiety, the life of trauma that you would be under in that. And so that's where all these guys are. They're, they're all there because they're, they're not living out of the Holy Spirit yet. They're not in that, that mode yet. And they are just in fear and trembling and shaking and going, I don't know what's going to happen. As evidence, when Peter gets broken out of jail, he comes knocking on the door. The slave girl opens the door and says, Peter, and slams the door on him. Like, she won't let him in because they're scared to death. This trauma has reigned in their life. And what Jesus' prescription for this trauma, how they're going to get through this, is found here in Acts uh, chapter 1. Basically, the guys are going, okay, God, it's been bad enough. Are you going to fix it now? Are you going to bring your kingdom now? Are you going to do this now? We've been waiting We've been waiting. We kind of want to be generals in your army, basically. We kind of really want to be, you know, that'd be cool. I'm just saying. I would like a job promotion from fisherman to general. That'd be great. And that's what they're coming to Jesus with. And he goes, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening. This is not the time or the place. When I'm going to fix it, when I'm going to restore it is up. That's, that's way above your pay grade. And he does what every great teacher does. He turns it back on them and says, I'm not going to fix it. You're going to fix it, right? I'm not going to do the problem for you. You're going to do the problem for you. Now, we have officially entered crying homework stage 
already? Anybody else going to get an amen, right? Like you get the math problems and all of a sudden now you're like, and for the first time your children are coming up with stuff that they don't know how to do and it's weeping and gnashing of teeth and you want to scream and it's just, it is World War III at the dinner table or the baseball park if you're our family, that's where you got to do homework. Uh, But it's just this nasty thing that's going on. And, and what you have to do, I could say, give me the sheet. But, well, it's math. I can't do that. But <laughs> Kelly, do the, do the homework for us. Um, once again, too much laughter. Uh, <clears throat> um, so you can take the homework. You can do it for them and be like, oh, okay, good, 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 good. We're all good. I didn't teach them anything. And Jesus does the same thing. He's like, I'm not going to fix it for you. I'm going to empower you to go fix it. And it's this crazy moment that makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, as I read the Bible, as I go through life, as I deal with the stuff and the junk of of life, I go, God, why don't you just fix this? He's like, that's what I got you for, for, buddy. Don't like that answer. But that's what we're talking about today is the Holy Spirit empowers us to go be the hands and feet of Christ to Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. That's what the role of this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got a couple different nicknames or uh, attributes that Jesus explains about him. He is the comforter. He's the helper or she, whatever you want to say. It, uh, the helper. I kind of have a different uh, word, the empowerer. The Holy Spirit empowers us for a lot of different functions. And when we only go to church as the ER, when we only go to church to go, you know, I need my pill, so I'm okay for this week. And then, because guess what, guys? My rotator cuff's torn. If I just take ibuprofen, it doesn't hurt anymore. Is my rotator cuff fixed or is it still torn? It's still torn. Sometimes we use churches that it's just, we just come, we get our pill. Maybe we listen to a couple of Hillsong songs. I listen to a podcast. Oh, I'm good today. and I'm, I'm all right. But we never deal with the actual in, uh, injury and we never deal with the trauma that's going on there. And we never are fully healed from it. Some of us think, man, church is broken. Jesus is broken. God is broken. God doesn't ever actually do anything for me. He's just only, I just get my symptoms treated. When we step into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role in that is for, to bring us back into, through this spiritual rehab so that we have, can have real health. So Jesus is asking, or we're asking Jesus, are you going to fix this problem? Daddy, fix! And Jesus looks at us and says, nope, you're going to do it. Yeah, but, but I'm going to make a mess. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? We got... Anybody else got Lego projects all over their, their house? Oh, you got Lego projects all over your house. I got, I had an ATI. Oops. <laughs> See what is there? Bowen had a Star Wars thing that we, that I, we, he worked really hard at making and it got destroyed. I was like, you gonna put that back together? And Bowen starts bringing me the pieces like, no, 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 no. I already spent my 16 hours on this thing. It is now your time. And some of us, we just keep on coming, oh, oh, I made a mess. Will you fix it? You clean it up. You do, you do this. It's time for you to do this. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it mind-blowing to me that God believes in us enough? He created us. He knows how stupid we are. He knows our, fo- our foils, our, our messes. He knows all of that. He believes in us enough to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to equip you to do it. 
And so when we say something like our mission statement, to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, that's not just something we rotely say, oh, that's what we're going to do. It is what God, we're asking the Holy Spirit to empower us to be about. That should have a significant impact on how we live, how we love, how we care. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life he calls us to. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life he calls us to. This is what happens. Um, As the big commands from Jesus, to love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, loving your neighbor as yourself is infinitely more difficult if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Their dog bothers you more when you're not living out the Holy Spirit. Their trash cans bother you more. The length of their grass bothers you more. The loudness of their muffler bothers you more when the Holy Spirit is not active in your life. The Holy Spirit empowers us to deal with those irritants. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out his commands in a whole different way. Loving your spouse is infinitely more difficult without the Holy Spirit. There are things that you do. There are things that even Kelly does. I know you guys can't imagine this. That irritate me. And you know, shockingly, I bet there's some things that I do that irritate her. (laughs) But trying to deal with that, trying to deal with life like that without the Holy Spirit in our lives, oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know the Holy Spirit's alive and active because Kelly lives with me for 15 years. Um, Love of my children is infinitely more difficult without the Holy Spirit. As much as you care about them, as much as you love them, there's those moments in which you're like, "Mm." (laughs) yes. And maybe we should be saying, oh, Holy Spirit, help me here. Because this is a moment. And there's these moments like, God, I I just just stop and want to pray. God, I know this is a moment in which I can correct and I can make it a moment that will be great and maybe not hurt them, and, and this can, can change their life, and, and this is a teaching moment, but you know what, when I'm not in contact with God, and I'm not pressing into that, and I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to lead me, I'm going, boom, not actual, well, maybe sometimes, but uh, not, not actually reacting, but, ah, oh, fly off the handle, what are you doing, what are you doing, Whoa. I got to have the Holy Spirit's wisdom in my life to be able to see these moments, see these times. When I can correct, when I can love, when I can hold, when I can care for either my neighbor, either my wife, or my children. Because the Holy Spirit is empowering us to reach Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We've got to be able to have the power. We've got to be able to have the wisdom. We've got to be able to have the discernment. We've got to be able to have the peace to be able to speak life into those different situations. And on my own... I can't do that. And out of my own mess and out of my own stuff, I still can't do that. But out of the health that the Holy Spirit brings into my life, I can. Because there's one true thing about every single person in here. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different um, different addresses. We all have different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. But there's one truth for all of us, or two. God loves each and every one of us. The second one is we're all messes. All right? We all have stuff. 
We all have things. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here has done it all right. No one has perfect, you know, spiritual attendance. And so we all have things. We all have traumas in our life, mistakes that we've made, stuff that's not gone the way we thought we, we needed it to go. We all share that in common. And then the Holy Spirit speaks into all of those different traumas and says, you know what I can do? This is what the Holy Spirit can do. I can leverage all that junk in your past and do something beautiful with it. All that stuff that you thought was, was bad and you're ashamed of, ah, I got that. I can create something new and beautiful out of it. The power of the Holy Spirit fueling our relationships is so important because everyone has trauma. Everyone has issues. The Holy Spirit's job description is to empower and to equip us for dealing with people in trauma. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It equips us for dealing with people in trauma, relational trauma, emotional trauma, spiritual trauma, even physical trauma. If you study Acts, if you study Acts, after the Holy Spirit comes and reigns in their life, they are speaking into these different traumas. People with, with actual physical needs, get up and walk. That's what I got for you. That's what you, it's what you get today. For spiritual, all kinds of, of just problems and issues, the Holy Spirit has equipped him to speak in these different ideas and these different things that are going on. Paul, in the letter of Galatians, explains the fruit of the Spirit. And this, the fruit of the Spirit is, if you've got the Spirit in your life, these things are going to naturally come out of your life. Okay? And so in Galatians 5, chapter, verse 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is forbearance, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the overflow, the outcome of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now these really kind of are boiled down uh, into a few kind of areas. Of course, if it's because of the Holy Spirit, it's going to all be based out of wisdom. If I'm wise... There's going to be goodness. There's going to be self-control. There's going to be gentleness. There's going to be long-suffering. There's going to be kindness in my life. There's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. So everything kind of flows out of this idea of wisdom. But then that kind of divides into two other ones, into discernment and to peace. Discernment. Well, what's discernment mean? That's a kind of a funky word. Discernment really is just making the better choice. Making the better choice. How do I do that? I do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is you know, a fruit of having the Holy Spirit reign in our lives. Discernment. What does that look like? What does that mean? That means being able to see through and cut through the clouds. You ever talk to somebody and, and like they put up a good front and you're like, that's maybe you just have a, a, a feeling like that's not what's going on. That's not what's really the issue. And blessed are the people who have discerning individuals in their life that can look at you, look at you in your eyes like, yeah, 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 but how are you really doing? Right? I've had a few of those people in my life, and sometimes I don't want to talk to them because I'm like, I can't hide from you. Like, for some, I, I do, I'm, this is a good show I'm putting on here. I don't want you to mess that up and, like, you know, make me cry in five seconds. You know, those, but those people with discernment, those people that have, that have this gift in just spades that look at you and say, well, how are you really doing? How's your heart? Where's your pain? How's your marriage really doing? Yeah, it was nice you've been talking about that, but uh, no one really cares about your car, man. How's your wife? 
Shut up. I'm proud of my nice little discernment. Making the better choice. This is a fruit of the Spirit. When we ask for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, this is one of the things that starts to dramatically shape who we are and how we act. Because if we're going to speak into people's traumas, we have to have discernment. If we're going to be able to even get through our own trauma, we have to have the discernment. Is this pain from my past or is this something I'm just making up in my head? Right? Is this, when you're talking to somebody and they, they lash out at you and they just kind of like, Bleh! and you go, wait a minute, I didn't really do anything. I said, hi, how was your day? They're not really mad at me. They're mad at, and that's only discernment because my flesh wants to be like, oh, yeah? Discernment, making the better choice. A second kind of avenue in which this goes is peace. Peace, the shalom of God. Peace is being able to trust that God is who God says he is. That's what peace really is. Being able to trust that God is who he says he is. If you think about that, if I can have peace in my life, I can have that joy, that care that we talked about in the last series, that I know that God has the victory. I am able to trust that, that he is the victor, and everything else is just a sideshow. That he's got this. Being able to trust that God is who he says he is. That is a fruit of the Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because how many times are we filled with doubt? We're filled with anxiety. We're filled with just confusion of of the things of this world and what's going on and what's going to happen here. And we get all trapped into our our 24-hour news cycle and we're just filled with conflict. Peace is saying that God is actually in control. That God has this figured out. That God's bigger than this. God's better than this. He really has everything under his thumb. That he is the creator. He is the savior. He is the empowerer. Being able to trust that God is who he says he is. See, this peace idea of coming in with the Holy Spirit is kind of encapsulated in this, this statement. Trusting him secures your future redeems your past, and empowers your present. Trusting him secures your future, redeems your past, and empowers your present. Now, if you're from different faith backgrounds, you're really comfortable maybe with, I'm trusting God with my future. As a church of God, born and bred person, that statement goes, oh, are we doing one safe to always saved? Are we eternal security? All these fun theological things that maybe you guys have no idea are theological arguments that used to be a big deal. Okay. Um, Trusting him secures your future. That might be a big thing for you. If you came up in a different tradition, you're like, yeah, I remember those words. But what about the second one redeems your past? I got stuff in my past that should invalidate me from ever being able to go to heaven. Except here's the deal. Jesus is bigger and better and all of that, and he redeems the past. Some of us actually need to step into the moment of saying, you know what? I am redeemed. That doesn't matter anymore. It's what I did. It's not who I am and who I'm going to be. And it empowers your present. So if my future, I know I get to go to heaven. I know I'm going to be with God. I know that he has redeemed my past, and I know I get to go to heaven. I, my present can be empowered 
because I don't have to be stuck and always worrying about what my past looked like. Instead, and this is so beautiful, I get to leverage my past because there's hurts and stuff in your guys' lives that can directly impact and speak into the trauma of your neighbor, the trauma of your children, the trauma of your friends. There's ladies in here who've gone through terrible, terrible things, gone through the roller coaster of whatever that may look like that can speak into a young woman's life who's going through the same thing. You have a choice to be defeated by your past or let Jesus redeem it so that now he can empower your present. Do you see how that works? And that is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. That is the beauty of what he does in our lives. Is he says, oh, that's a fun little uh, thing, trauma that you had there. Let's empower that. Let's make it better. Because he doesn't waste the stuff that's happened in our past. He doesn't waste the, the craziness that's gone on. Instead, he empowers us to leverage it for the kingdom of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what that wisdom does. And wisdom and discernment, you have to have peace with your past. You have to have peace with that. You have to be able to discern, how can I use this? How can I use the dumb things I used to do? How can I use the dumb things that were done to me to be able to be present in the future and actually speak into Beth's life, into Laura's life, into Kim's life? When we lose loved ones, There's the grieving process, and that's available to everyone, right? But then when your friend loses a loved one, we have a choice to be either defeated by that death or we have a a choice to help the Holy Spirit empower us to speak life and love through that. This This is what the Holy Spirit can leverage and do in our life. When we've had illness, when we've had sickness, when we've had abuse, we get the choice. Am I going to be defeated by that? Because in the statement, in the statement, if I'm trusting that my future is okay, now I also have to trust that Jesus is redeeming my past. And I also get to trust that he's empowering my present. We've all gone through crazy different things, right? God loves us. <laughs> we all have trauma. When we trust him to secure our future, redeem our past, and empower our present, all kinds of different things open up to us. When we trust this statement, when we trust what those truths of God, we get to look at Acts 1, verse 6 through 8, and look at Jesus, and as Jesus is saying to you, yeah, I know you've gone through trauma. When are you going to fix it, God? <laughs> Got a twist for you. You're going to fix it. Huh? And I'm going to empower you to do so. My prayer for you this morning is that you would accept the Holy Spirit, that you would accept the Holy Spirit wanting to do stuff in your life, that we would get out of the ER mentality of church and just coming and taking our ibuprofen and going home, that you would get out of that roller coaster, you'd get out of that cycle of that, and actually seeking the Holy Spirit to empower our lives, that he wants to do something amazing in us. He wants to reach Shorewood, Joliet, and the ends of the earth, even to Indiana. He wants to work in our lives. It's, the, it's what the Holy Spirit was sent here for, to empower the believers to change the world, to redeem our pasts, and to empower our futures. 
Let me pray for you. Ben, come on up. Lord, right now we submit ourselves to you. To your will and to who you are. God, I know I fight you. I fight your will for my life. I fight the blessings that you have for me because I I get selfish and want to do it my own way. And right now, Lord, I want to lay that at your feet. I want to give control to you, God. Lord, I... I desperately want to have the discernment to be able to see people's real hurts. And God, I desperately want to have the wisdom to be able to speak the words that can speak into their traumas. Give them hope for a future. and Give them life. I know that's only through your Holy Spirit that I would ever be that smart. So God, I ask for that. I ask for that gift. Lord, as we lay our lives in front of you, Lord, we ask you to take control of us fully. Lord, we lay our past at your feet. We say, God, I know I've got some skeletons in that closet. I've got some things I really work hard at trying to cover up. But if I'm honest with myself, it continues to cause problems. So, Lord, right now, I, I give you that past so that you will redeem it. So I can be fully empowered in this present. God, I thank you for the hope and the promise of a future. I thank you that I do have heaven coming. That no matter what we deal with today, we have heaven as a promise for us in the future. God, I thank you for what you're up to. God, I am blown away at the realization that you want me to be a part of your plan. But I thank you for believing in me. God, this week, as we deal with our family, as we deal with our friends, as we deal with our neighbors, as we deal with our coworkers, that we would leave this place different than when we came in. That we'd have a new perspective and a way in which to speak into people's lives. That you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to shut up when we need to shut up, to speak when we need to speak, to give a hug when we need to give a hug. to have the courage to speak truth and life into people. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reign in our lives, that you would empower everything we do, from the way in which we work, from the way in which we love our spouses, from the way in which we parent our children, that your Holy Spirit would work in all of that, that all the decisions that we make, all the choices that we make would be through you, that you would empower all of it. God, we love you. We are amazed by your love. We're amazed by your goodness. We're amazed by your sheer generosity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.